Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first AIM HR Solutions podcast. Our goal in providing these podcasts is to provide you with the most up-to-date information on relevant human resources topics. My name is Mary McNally, and I am one of the directors at AIM HR Solutions. I'll be co-hosting today's podcast with my colleague and AIM HR Solutions employment attorney, Tom Jones. Hello, Tom. Hi, Mary. How are you? Thank you all for joining us. So for today's topic, we are going to be discussing the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, so better known as FFCRA. So Tom, could you please give us an overview of FFCRA? Sure, happy to. So this is the law that was adopted back in March of 2020 when the pandemic crisis first burst on the country. And they they looked to the Congress to have a response to it. It covers a couple of major issues, one of which is providing sick leave to qualified employees. The other is providing emergency family leave for time off from work if someone's children are out of school or daycare because of, you know, COVID-related issues. It only covers employers with one to 499 employees. It does not cover all employers in the country, but the majority within that um, number of employees. It also requires that the person must work for the employer at least 30 days in order to be eligible for it. The sick leave benefits are up to 80 hours and they cover up to $511 of pay per day. And the extended family leave is up to 12 weeks and is paid at a rate of $200 per day or two thirds of an employee's pay, whichever is the greater. But 200 is a maximum for that. So, Tom, my understanding is so this um, leave became effective on 4-1-2020, and it ended at the end of 2020, so December 31st, 2020. Um, has it been extended? Well, it's, it's like a qualified yes, Mary. You know, okay. there's, there's many things in the, in the world. So what happened was that there was a great deal of debate in this December, an expectation about what the Congress would do and the president would do regarding the future of this particular law especially as COVID had continued to uh, persist as a condition for the country. So what the Congress did in the legislation that the president just signed right before New Year's was they put a clause in there saying that the FFCRA rights here for sick leave and for extended family leave have been extended through quarter one, meaning till the end of March 31st, 2021. So they're not offering new time you know, it's still the 80 hours, it's still the 12 weeks, there's nothing new. So it really only applies to people who have not used up all that time yet, but for the next few, for the next few uh, months. Okay. And so you said that this is voluntary. I mean, do, do you know if AIM is recommending, you know, how employers handle this extension, you know, whether they um, should do it, should not, or what, what are your thoughts on that? We've been hearing that question a lot on the hotline since the president signed this law late last week and companies trying to figure out what to do. And so we've, every company has the unique right, as you noted, it's a voluntary decision for the, the part of the employer. We've generally, after a conversation with folks on the hotline, raised issues such as, you know, employee morale, if you didn't do it, what's the risk of exposure in the winter? How significant could that be at your company? How disruptive could that be if someone came to work with COVID because they felt unable to stay at home? They were worried about it. You know, how many employees have utilized the benefits so far? Are there continuing cases that may begin 
that may have begun in 2020 that are going into 2021. There's a lot of issues to consider, to think about, but we often find that employee morale and the, at least the expectation that this benefit exists are going to be big factors out there for the way companies handle this, especially in the depths of winter. Yes, thank you for that. Um, so what about, you know, if an employee was eligible for FFCRA in 2020, but they didn't use any of the leave, are they still entitled to take the paid leave or the extended family medical leave after December 31st, 2020? If the company elects to provide that benefit, as you noted, it's a voluntary choice. So you work for a company and the company says, as of December 31st, the benefit has ceased. We will no longer be offering that benefit. There is no excuse me, right for an employee to say, well, gee, I, sh I still have time left. I want to be able to take that time because it's up to the employer to make that decision about offering this benefit or not. So, you know, because of the tax code eligibility issues involved. So it doesn't offer new time, but it does offer somebody who's got unused time, the ability to use it, provided the employer says, yes, we can move forward with this benefit and, you know, provide it to our employees. The one thing you want to flag for employers is that you don't want to be selective in this regard. You want to be able to say, we're going to do it for everybody December 31st through March 31st, or we're not going to do it for people. And so that's back to my earlier point of really looking at your workforce demographics. You know, what is the impact potentially of someone coming to work being sick? What would that mean for the operation of your business? How many other people might get sick or maybe have to quarantine? Even without any pay, what's the anxiety level that's going to happen with employees? And frankly, the other thing that's an aspect here is that we assume with a new administration and a new configured Congress that no matter what the dominant parties are, they're probably going to have to deal with this issue again. And so what this one quarter of extension, these three months of extension did was provide the Congress with a window to say, okay, now's the opportunity to figure out what we're going to do going forward for the remainder of 2021. And potentially there'll be an extension of the existing law, a whole new law, just uh, amendments to this existing law. Who knows? But the, we presume there'll be something done in the first quarter if the COVID cases continue at the case, at the level they're at right now. Okay, thank you. You know, and I think it also makes sense for you know employers to communicate to their employee population whether they are going to provide this extension or not. Absolutely, and I do that as quickly as you've decided to do it. So this week, which may mean sending out the notification again that you originally gave people back uh, almost a year ago, back in April, to remind people the rights exist and just say, but do it in such a way as to make it clear that there's no new benefit because the Congress hasn't authorized that yet. And so the tax credits would not be available, but there is at least the opportunity to continue to use an unused benefit, which many, many or some employees may have at their company. Okay, so say, you know, a company does decide, you know, that they're going to continue with this program or not, and they send out a communication stating such, and say this scenario comes up, an employee, you know, calls their human resources department and says, you know, they've used six weeks of FFCRA leave between April 1st and December 31st, 2020, because their childcare provider was unavailable due to COVID, and their employer approved the time off, but did not pay the employee for the last two weeks of the FFCRA leave. So the employee asked, well, am I required to get pay for those last two weeks of my leave if the FFCRA is now expired? Well, 
As according to the um, wage and hour division within the Department of Labor, the answer to that question would be yes. Wage and hour takes the view that they'll enforce the FFCRA for anything that would have occurred, could have occurred during April 1st through December 31st, 2020. So if someone had a right to the leave, as you, as you highlighted in your question, and didn't get paid for part of that leave, or say it was all the leave they didn't get paid for, then they filed a complaint with the Department of Labor Wage and Hour Division and said, I've, you know, within the statute of limitations, statute of limitations is a time period that a company, an individual has to take legal action. In this case, it's typically two years. Though if the person could show it was a willful violation on the part of the employer, it could be three years, but at least two years, they would have the right to come forward with a case and say, you know, we're, we feel that we've been wrongfully treated by this employer because they weren't paid within a timely fashion for that. So yeah, they could do that. And the company should worry also about the, the issue of class action, meaning if they did it not just to one employee, but did that with multiple employees, then the employer could be facing multiple lawsuits by different employees, potentially significant attention from the Department of Labor for failure to do so. Okay, so even if a company is not going to um, go with the extension through the end of, of March of this year, uh, they could still be liable to um, pay out under the FFCRA for um, leave situations that occurred in 2020. Through, and, and it would be through the end of 2022 that someone could bring oh. a lawsuit. Wow, okay. The statute of limitations. Okay. So where can somebody get more detailed information about FFCRA? Oof. Um, well, de depending <laughs> on what you're looking for, there's a variety of resources out there. So first and foremost, you want to keep abreast of what's going on on the federal level. AIM will be putting out information regularly on that regard. If you have a law firm that you subscribe to their publications, we strongly encourage that. Just follow the evening news or the daily news as well when they start talking about this issue which we assume they will once President Biden has been sworn in in late January. So, but it all depends. What's the Biden administration likely to do? How they're going to focus on this? The new Congress obviously will matter what they think. You know, how big is the crisis? All those things are out there. One of the key issues is going to be um, the Department of Labor's website. They have this thing called the Families First Coronavirus Response Act FAQ page, which has got about 105 questions and answers on it that are very, very relevant to explain a lot of the issues we're talking about. And other ones that have come up, be it intermittent leave, eligibility issues, small business exclusion issues, whatever it might be. If you're interested in information about the tax credits, that's on the IRS website. So they have a link there for irs.gov coronavirus uh, new employer tax credit. So there's information on the tax credits there. We strongly encourage you to you know, call the hotline but spend time looking at these websites because the information is quite in-depth, quite well-developed and very, very helpful for a lot of employers. Okay. Well, thank you, Tom, for your insights. And we wanna thank everybody for listening to our podcast. Please be sure to read AIM HR Solutions newsletter, the HR Edge for details on future podcasts. We are also offering a leave of absence webinar series um, over the coming weeks. And the series will help employers further understand the nuances of FMLA and Massachusetts paid family leave, how to manage maternity leaves, and then understanding reasonable accommodations. And then along with providing any up-to-date information that we have on any potential new legislation. For further information, please visit 
aimhrsolutions.com. This podcast was brought to you by AIMHR Solutions. From talent management, training, and compliance to compensation analysis and on-site services, AIMHR Solutions is committed to meeting you where you are. For more information, visit our website at www.aimhrsolutions.com or give us a call at 617-488-8321.